today's show, we'll dig into the differences between a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k. Which one is best? Is one right for you? Stick around as we take a deep dive. Discover retirement concepts you need to know. When you're hitting that magic age of 65, you need to really start to do your research. Learn how to navigate through economic uncertainty. And anybody can retire. It's whether you can stay retired. That is the real point. A successful retirement doesn't happen by accident. You deserve a secure, independent retirement. Welcome in to your retirement with Sam This is your retirement, and it is uh, coming courtesy of Dual Financial Strategies. I'm Chuck Caton, consumer advocate, and we have in studio Sam Dual, Andy Schooler, and Luke Van Abel uh, once again to discuss retirement for you. And remember, their number is 866-203-7486. That's the way you can reach them. And uh, we're going to be talking about that four-letter word. No, not that four-letter word. The other one. The other one, right, Sam? R-O-T-H, and it's the Roth IRA and a Roth 401k. Uh, and uh, to have or not to have, uh, that is the case. In some cases, the answer might be both are a good choice. In other cases, uh, it might be one or the other, or perhaps neither, if a Roth account doesn't really fit your situation or your planning needs. But uh, we're going to discuss that here in this first segment and a lot of different things to consider, right, Sam? Uh, for example, the benefits of a Roth IRA. I think they're very obvious if people have listened to the show for while yeah that's true chuck uh probably the number one thing especially people that uh, are a little older that are uh, in that retirement age and getting a little older the biggest benefit that they would see from a roth ira would be that there is no required minimum distribution from a roth ira uh, so there's you don't have that forced distribution by the government and that can be a really powerful tool uh, for retirement it can be a powerful tool for estate planning uh, the just the sheer ability to allow those assets to continue to grow tax-free uh, you can continue to accumulate retirement savings that can then be withdrawn tax-free later on and of course tax-free is the uh, you know is the buzzword the key word with a Roth IRA or a 401k is that that money is put into those accounts post-tax. In other words you've already paid taxes on the money that's gone into them so then the growth on that account it accumulates in a tax-free basis. Estate planning, one thing that is critical with estate planning is that we have some new rules in place with a Roth IRA, and that is called a non-spousal beneficiary. This happened in the the uh, SECURE Act at the end of 2019, but non-spousal beneficiary meaning what it sounds like. If you are not the spouse of the person that owned it, then there is a special set of rules, and basically what that is is that you come into the 10-year rule. So in other words, if that if you inherit that Roth IRA, you do have to withdraw the funds from that within 10 years of that person's death. So Roth IRA typically is going to allow you a broader range of choices than a Roth 401k simply because the Roth IRA is usually outside of an employer's plan while the Roth 401k would be inside of a re- employer's plan. Okay, now if a beneficiary, just a question here, uh, takes on the uh, inheritance of a Roth IRA, do they have to pay taxes on that money even if they have to take it over a 10-year period? They do not. So okay. that is that is one of the beauties of the tax-free. So, so as it stands right now, at least, tax-free for you is tax-free for them later on as well. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, perhaps drawbacks. I can't think of any except uh, the fact that maybe you are confined as to how much money you can invest in a Roth every year, right? Correct. So for your Roth IRAs, 
there's a limit depending on your age. For most of our listeners, if you're over the age of 50, they allow what's called the catch-up provision, meaning you can contribute an extra $1,000 per year. So then the total for you would be um, $7,000 for the year. Whereas if you're under 50 years old, then you can only do the $6,000 per year. Now, there's also a uh, provision that says uh, if you make too much money, you can't do anything in terms of contributions, right? There's a phase-out. There is a phase-out. So once you start earning too much money, then, well, you can no longer do that. So the phase-out for single filers um, begins to be decreased at $125,000 per year. And then once you reach $140,000, you can no longer make a contribution. And that is based off of your modified adjusted gross income. And for those that file uh, jointly, married couples, um, the range starts at $198,000 and is capped at $205,000, $208,000 based on your modified adjusted gross income. So after that income threshold, you would not be able to directly contribute to the Roth IRA. Well, it's always good to have a Roth, and that's, the, of course, the voice of Luke Van Abel uh, with respect to that. Uh, he is part of Dual Financial Strategies, as is Andy Schooler. And so I guess we're going to hear uh, from Andy a little bit about what the benefits are of a Roth 401k. Now, I have to admit, I've never heard of a Roth 401k because when I was working for my company for 39 years, they never offered one of those things. Uh, you know, we never even had a chance to get a Roth, but a lot, a lot of companies do, right? So uh, uh, what's the benefit of that? Well, they are more and more common now in the 401k market, which is wonderful because it has a few different pres um, provisions as opposed to a traditional Roth IRA that sits outside of your company 401k. So contributions to that Roth 401k are actually made with after-tax dollars, just like the Roth IRA, but um, the distributions made after age 59 and a half are still tax-free. But one of the biggest advantages of that 401k Roth is that there are no income limits on your ability to contribute to your Roth account in the plan. So you're able to contribute up to the full amount of salary deferrals allowed for the current calendar year regardless of how your income is. So that's a really big benefit. And for 2021, these limits are 19,500 for those that are under 50 and 26,000, the catch-up provision for those participants who are 50 and older at that point during the year. So it can be really powerful for you um, in so many ways. Not only can you contribute just more dollars and cents than you can to an outside plan, but anything that you can do tax-free can be a huge benefit later on. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know, Sam, uh, what percentage, if you've done the research from clients, uh, what percentage of companies do offer that Roth 401k as opposed to the Roth IRA or even either, because I know I know in my particular situation, uh, our company did not. They just offered the regular 401k plan. But um, you tell me, I mean, what percentage do you think of, of, of companies uh, offer that Roth 401k? Because it is very, very beneficial. Yeah, and we are finding, Chuck, that the majority of companies today do. Wow. Uh, there's, mm. There are, there, we haven't done any hard data on it, but there are certainly more that do than those that don't. Well, that's interesting. I guess I must be a dinosaur then, <laughs> or, or our National Hockey League team that I work for was either yeah, way. Yeah, that, that was the it was the, the team's problem. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I needed to go back to the Wisconsin Badgers at WIBA and go to Madison. I guess exactly. All right, let's talk about some of the drawbacks. Are there any with the Roth 401k? Who wants to tackle that one? Uh, I guess the RMDs is one of them, right? 
there's a couple, yeah. So uh, interestingly enough, um, as opposed, you talk about a match because you were saying, hey, how many employers offer these? Most around here do. But currently the match that your employer gives you, that has to go to your traditional 401k. So that's that has to go into that pre-tax money. Uh, but there is some legislation that is uh, working its way uh, around up in Washington, and that's called Secure Act 2.0. And what it would do is it would allow that match to be saved in the Roth 401k. So that would be wonderful. I mean, that mm-hmm. would be like that would be a double bonus there because you would get free money and it would be tax free money. So that's one that we would love to see pass. Uh, the key difference between 401k account, a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA does surround the required minimum distributions. Very interesting, Chuck, because unlike a Roth IRA, if you turn 72 and you're still working, you do have to take a required minimum distribution from that. Now, it's a simple fix, obviously, before age 72, just roll that money out of your Roth 401k and get it into a Roth IRA so that you can defeat that. But that one trips people up. Uh, Most people are not aware of that. Um, Which is better? You know, it's 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 a horse apiece, basically. It really depends upon your situation. Uh, they both do exactly the same thing. I would say at the end of the day, uh, there's probably a nudge to the Roth IRA being a little better only because of the fact that outside of that company plan, you have a myriad of investment choices are basically unlimited. So that probably the nod for if one's better than the other would go to a Roth IRA simply because the world is more open for you. And I think, Sam, the key that you just said, the key term was rollover. If you wanted to roll that over from the Roth 401k, uh, and there's no tax ramifications for that, right? At That's all. correct. Yeah. 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 All right. Ta- so tax tax free is tax free. Absolutely. So what's the conclusion here? Which one's better, the Roth 401k or the Roth IRA, in your opinion? Well, I would say either one of them is going to serve you well. The key there is that you're you're accumulating tax free money, as you said before, Chuck. That one of the one of the bad things it's not a bad thing but one of the things that's been a challenge for folks is that many of us uh, you know that are in or near retirement age just haven't had the time to put money into a Roth account whether it be a 401k or an IRA because they are relatively new the Roth IRA in and of itself when looked at in the whole spectrum of retirement uh, choices uh, is relatively new and certainly the Roth 401k would be almost considered in its infancy because it's it is becoming more popular all of the time uh, if your employer does not offer the Roth choice in the 401k talk to them uh, you know Chuck is a small business owner for the last gosh I don't know 21 years in dual financial strategies and I owned a company prior to that so it's probably been close to 30 years now um, that I've owned my own businesses uh, you know as, a, as an employer, you value the input from the employee because you're busy running your business from day to day and you're not always thinking about these things. So if you're working for a company that does not offer the Roth 401k option, say something. Say something to administration that's running that or say something to your boss and just say, hey, we've heard this on the radio time and time again. The option is there. This is not difficult. It doesn't cost anything for an employer to participate in a 401k. They just have to revise their, their plan documents a little bit. But certainly as an employee, go to them. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you can get a 401k at work, that's a Roth option, go for it. And the, the, the advice there, Chuck, would be if you have the two in your plan, you've got a 401k and you've got the Roth option, 
put money into the pre-tax portion, into the traditional 401k, up to the match, right? So you get the match because that's required, and then anything above and beyond that, this depends upon your, your income tax brackets, but for most of you, that money would then be directed towards your Roth 401k. All right, so that's all the great advice that Sam and company will give you, dual financial strategies with over 20 years of experience just in the financial realm alone. Uh, let them come in and uh, do the retirement lifestyle review for you, and I think I'm not being presumptuous when I think Sam will give you a copy of his uh, wonderful book, Purpose Determines Placement, when you come in at no cost, no obligation. And all you have to do is pick up the phone right now at 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. And whether it's Sam or Luke or Andy, uh, any one of the wonderful advisors who have your best interest in mind at Dual Financial Strategies, remember uh, that Retirement Lifestyle Review is there for you at no cost, no obligation. All right, let's go to our second uh, period, so to speak, in my terms of hockey. Uh, Sam, what's coming up next? So the question is, what are you going to do in retirement? Well, you might be surprised at the answers we get when that question is asked. In this segment, some things you could do, and in some cases should consider doing, heading into retirement. It's up to you. This is Your Retirement, and it's the Your Retirement Show, and we are uh, broadcasting here uh, along the Fox Valley from Green Bay to Appleton and environs in between for Dual Financial Strategies. I'm Chuck Caton, consumer advocate, and with us in the studio is Sam Duell uh, with Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel, and we're going to be talking a little bit about... Uh, well, finding creative and uh, resourceful ways to prepare for retirement, because that's really an important part of the process that uh, nobody in our listening audience should overlook. Right, Sam? Because uh, you've got some tips and suggestions, along with Luke and Andy, to uh, help our listeners get there. And uh, here's one that seems to be counterintuitive to a lot of people who think they're going to run out of money in retirement. Uh, but as you're retiring or getting ready to in that financial red zone five to seven years before, uh, spend some money before you retire. Enjoy yourself, right? What do you think of that? Absolutely. Um, It is counterintuitive because people are thinking about the next 25 or 30 years and saying, hey, I've got to I've got to wait to take this money out. But absolutely, this is the time. And we find this um, in many years of experience here where, you know, those first five to 10 years of retirement are your most active years where you're wanting to get out there, do traveling, do the hobbies, do the things that you really enjoy. And if you, especially if you have room in your tax bracket and you're doing proper tax planning, to start pulling some of that money out of your retirement plans from a tax perspective could make a lot of sense. Down the road, it reduces your required distributions. And so starting to take a little bit of money um, in the long run can have a, a big impact. Yeah, it really does. And uh, again, it's so counterintuitive, but you do have to do that. Uh, One of the things that we obviously uh, have to be ready for is the fact that, uh, you know, none of us last forever. You know, the the great uh, door singer uh, Jim Morrison always said, nobody gets out of here alive. So the one thing you do have to do uh, before it is ultimately too late is to put your legal documents in place now. And uh, we're talking a lot of things like uh, um, what what I called uh, in our family the plug puller uh, person uh, in case you're incapacitated and things like that, right? 
Well, that's one way to put it. <laughs> well, that's our youngest son. We've got three boys. One of them is the executor. The middle one is kind of going to watch the other two, and the third one's the plug puller, just in case we're incapacitated. You know? <laughs> Lord, and and you can translate, Andy, what I mean by that. Yep. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Well, you know, I do believe that everybody should have a will, a living will, durable powers of attorney for both medical and financial. I That might get to your plug puller situation there, the, med- the medical side there. Yep. Um. But those documents are very, very important. And it's never a bad idea to sit down with an attorney and look at that. This does not have to cost a fortune. So whether you need it or don't need it, they can give you further advice on what's important for you. But those documents regarding the power of attorneys can be really, really important. Should anything happen where you can't talk for yourself, but you are still alive, um, having those documents allows your wife or your beneficiaries to be able to speak on your behalf. And and it is important to have those conversations and they are tough because no one wants to talk about the end of life stuff. But it is important that your loved ones know your wishes um, and ideally having that written down so that they have some documents to follow, um, especially because they could be pretty emotional. And so having having your words basically speak to them off of paper is, is really, really a good thing to do for them. Absolutely, Andy. You're absolutely right about that. And we're talking about uh, getting ready for retirement, things you have to consider uh, with our fine friends at Dual Financial Strategies at 866-203-7486. Uh, preparing for tax changes. Uh, that's something that uh, we don't want to think about, but we have to. Absolutely. You have to think about that. And this is one of the things, Chuck, that we find is the least discussed topic that there is going into retirement. And I can't believe that all of the advisors miss this, that they never, ever key in on the tax changes. But they're going to change. Your taxes are going to change. There's a very good chance that you get to a certain point in your retirement, you start those required minimum distributions, your taxes are going up. So with those changes, you might have to look at where it's going to come from. You need to prepare in advance for this because this is going to be a tax bill that looks very different from what you've been accustomed to. Your entire scenario changes. When you go to retirement, you start collecting Social Security, you start taking required minimum distributions, your world's going to change. Taxes are going to be a tremendous impact on your income stream, and you have to prepare for it. Don't accept I don't know as an answer from someone when you're asking questions about what will happen with your taxes. Absolutely. Now, unless you've had your kids when you were 18 or 19 years old and you were married, uh, saving for retirement over college could be a burden or a difference because if you're in your 50s and you still have like a uh, an 18 or 19-year-old kid and you're going to pay for college, what's the thought on saving for retirement over college in this situation when you're getting for it ready for your own retirement and ready to uh, you know sleep on the hammock? Yeah, I think no matter what your age is and where you're at in life if you've got children, as, as I do, younger ones. Um, but especially for those that are nearing retirement, the priority really needs to be retirement savings over college savings. Unless you plan on you know, living in your child's basement um, <laughs> yeah. right, for your retirement years, I think you have to prioritize saving in the 401k, saving in the IRAs, um, getting as much tax-free as you can over college so that you have a means to support yourself in retirement. Yeah, very well said, Luke. What about uh, working and giving to charity? These are things uh, uh, continuing to work uh, is something, you know, just prolong that retirement. Uh, Do the best you can when you got your health. Well, that's true. I mean, if your health is good and intact, you know, consider working during your retirement. 
it's a great way to supplement your income for starters. Um, there can be benefits as far as you might have some good health insurance that you can participate in. And I think personally, if you are more of an outgoing person, that social aspect can be really wonderful. Um, it gives you something to look forward to and people to visit with. And I know oftentimes we have clients that will leave work and that's one of the things, the biggest things that they say is that they miss their relationships, friendships that they have at work. And, um, you know, going back and having lunch is great, but your friends are still on a time limit. So it's kind of nice when you get to see them more regularly. Okay. The one good thing about that, though, Andy, is they'll pick up the check because they're still working. You can claim you're on a fixed income. <laughs> I'm going to take your word for that. <laughs> well, I've tried that. I don't know if that hasn't worked. But one thing I do prescribe to do is picking up side gigs, just like I do. I still do commercials, uh, even though I'm not working full-time in the hockey business anymore. And, of course, I enjoy working with the three of you on this particular program, and uh, they actually pay me to do that, too. So uh, side gigs go. are big. Right, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you if, – if, Full-time isn't, then part-time is fine. And a lot of people do that. Is, and as Andy said, just to stay engaged and to keep doing something. And, uh, you know, just my dad always called that your walking around money. You mm -hmm. know, just, just kind of supplementing that income and um, just making sure that uh, you're enjoying it to the fullest. Yeah, that's true. And I think that, uh, well, I never thought of this. Uh, you, you see some ads about this, about selling your own life insurance. Uh, where do you stand on that uh, uh, at Dual? Well, Selling life insurance is called a life settlement. Uh, that's not something that we're real big on. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, an, it's a totally different area. You've got to be super, super careful. It's not an activity that we engage in, and we don't typically recommend it. But we do recommend, Chuck, that you optimize your old life insurance. We do find many people that come in and visit with us, and you've got that old whole life plan or universal life plan that you've been putting money into for the last 25 years, and you, you've built up significant cash value in it. In other words, that's money that's yours. And what a lot of you don't realize is that when you pass away, you don't get the death benefit plus the cash value. So if you've got a $300,000 life insurance policy and you've got $200,000 in cash value inside of that, when you die, Chuck, the insurance company's only on the hook for $100,000 because that they just give you back your 200 and then they throw 100 into the pot. So we do reckon, recommend that when you come in and visit with us, bring those old policies. Let's look at that cash value and let's see if there's a way that we can just move that over to a modern product with the efficiencies of being able to use that death benefit for chronic illness for extended care, all of those sorts of things. Let's see if we can get that old policy you've got into today's world, um, save you some money, maybe not even have to pay any premiums on it, and utilize that cash so that you can use it while you're living instead of having to wait until, obviously, you're dead. Okay, now you are not happy or uh, you're not crazy about the old life insurance. Here's one I'm not crazy about as we wrap this up. We've got about 30 seconds here. Renting instead of owning uh, to uh, maybe knock down some of your expenses as you get older. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Where do you guys stand on that yeah i'd say generally i'm not a huge fan on that but it really depends on your lifestyle i mean if you're going to be in a scenario where you're going to be you know six months in arizona or florida and six months up here you know there's some advantages to not have to worry about a property up here in wisconsin that you know pipes could freeze or who knows what else could happen but certainly i think you know the message here with considering renting or a downsize is that you know you free up the large expensive maintenance some of the time uh, energy resources that need to go into the house so there's there's advantages to that all right so sam what can you do for our listeners that's what they want to know 
Further education, Chuck. Educate, educate, educate. Just continue to learn on these topics. There's so many of these topics that we touch on, so many others that are important to know about. And we just want you to come into the office. I want to get a copy of my book in your hands. That's Purpose Determines Placement, Nine Steps to See You To and Through Retirement. It's a good primer. It's a good guide for you. But we just want to sit down and spend some time with you, myself, Luke, Andy. Learn more about you and continue to educate you because there's so many of these little points coming into retirement that are just crucial that you know about. And we want to make sure that you are on the right page. You've got all of your I's dotted and your T's crossed, whether it's giving you some ideas to take back to your current advisor for all of the things that they're forgetting to do, whether it's talking about a relationship with us, or if you're a do-it-yourselfer, getting a copy of the book in your hands so that you can optimize what you're doing. That's the whole purpose of why we'd like to see you come into the office. Okay, so again, it's your retirement, ladies and gentlemen. The way you can reach Sam and Andy and Luke at Dual Financial Strategies is to call 866 866- 203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. Make that appointment. Get that second opinion. They'll give you the roadmap to success in your retirement. Maybe you need a second opinion. Uh, and don't forget, as Sam said, uh, his book, Purpose Determines Placement, will be in your hands. No cost, no obligation. When you give them a call at Dual Financial Strategies, if something resonates with you that we've talked about or will talk about in the next half hour or so, just give them a call, 866 866- 203-7486-866-203-7486. We're talking red zone, maybe a little football. The Badgers are going to be good this year, I guess. And, uh, well, Sam, what's coming up next? When we come back, we'll tackle what you should be doing as you reach that financial red zone, those all-important years leading up to retirement. This is Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton, consumer advocate, and we are here uh, to uh, tell you about uh, the red zone of retirement. And we're doing it with Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel of Duell Financial Strategies, where you can reach them anywhere in the Fox Valley at 866-203-7486. They're good people to get to know. And I think if you're turning 50, uh, it's a pain in the butt, I think. But uh, the decade leading up to retirement, that's what we call the red zone, whether it's the Packers, the Badgers, any football team, the Big Ten, the National Football League, or retirement, as Sam just said. This is your last chance now to build a significant nest egg. Now, the decisions you make in your 50s are going to impact the retirement benefits you will receive when you decide to hang them up in your chosen profession and how much you'll be able to safely spend for the rest of your life. Because I know, Sam, one of the big things that people are afraid of is they're going to uh, run out of money before they run out of time. It's the number one fear, Chuck. That is the number one fear that people have today is running out of money in retirement. So one of the things that you do is leading up to retirement, become a super saver. And we see many of you do that. You're really taking that opportunity to fill up your nest egg. So once you're done paying for child care, you're done paying college tuition, you've got the kid out of your basement, that frees up that additional income for you to really save hard into your retirement accounts and invest. So if you feel like that you're a little bit behind, life has thrown you some curveballs. Now that you're into that scenario, 
you've got to start paying yourself. That's the old adage, Chuck, pay yourself first. We've always said that. That's been around forever. So at this point in time, you're in that red zone. You're within five years. This is when you've really got a great opportunity to catch up. Yeah, you've got to cut those expenses. Now we'll get to about uh, the uh, the debt side of it in a couple of seconds here. And one of the ways you can cut your debt out, and, and I think there's probably different uh, philosophies of this. We've got low interest rates now, and if you have a little minimal mortgage, maybe you won't do this, but I don't know what your advice would be uh, at Dual Financial Strategies about eliminating your mortgage. I'm all for it. I know that. Yeah, certainly. I think anytime you can reduce the amount of expenses or obligations that you have going into retirement is going to only alleviate the pressure that you need um, on your portfolios, on the amount of income that you'll need. So paying off the the mortgage is certainly an effective way to um, eliminate what's most people's biggest monthly bill every month and um, free up some cash flow to cover other areas. Yeah, I know in a lot of uh, situations, Luke, very quickly, some people say, well, don't take money out of your savings account to do it. Uh, you know, you're knocking it down. I, I don't know where uh, you guys think about in that uh, realm of a thing. It, I guess it depends on how much you owe in your house. Yeah, Chuck, if you're talking about, you know, pulling out of your savings account a large chunk to pay off the rest of the mortgage, that's a little bit different scenario. I uh, would need to analyze you know, that scenario specifically for each person, but it's hard to um, eat your house, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because because in one hand, you know, now you're now you're pulling out a chunk of money. Let's say you owe another $90,000 in the house. You pull $90,000 out of somewhere. Well, your house isn't liquid, so you can't just go out and, you know, eat your house. You, ne you need to have that cash somewhere else. And the other consideration there too is what's the source of that money? Right. You know, if right. you're sitting there with us, you're sitting on a savings account that you've got $150,000 in and they're paying you a quarter of a percent at the bank. Well, that money is basically, that's lazy money. It's doing nothing for you. So if you got a 5% mortgage, you got plenty of liquidity in the Absolutely. bank, then that makes perfect sense. But if you're going to go out and you're going to, you know, you're going to pull down a, a, let's say you're going to pull from an IRA or 401k, well, you're not just pulling $90,000. You're pulling $90,000 to pay it off. Plus, you got to pay all the taxes on top right. of that. So it's probably costing you an additional, mm -hmm. depending upon your tax bracket, an additional 18 to 25% above and beyond that. So, And the lost earnings on that. And the lost earnings on that money. So, yeah. right. so if you've got money that's what we would call lazy money, a lot of money sitting in cash, sitting on the sidelines, things like that, that could make some sense. But as Luke said, you can't eat that house. So you don't want to be taking money that you're going to be using later on in retirement to fund your lifestyle to pay off a house. Say, well, I don't have a house payment. Well, great. You just save $552 a year. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. You know, and another thing are those wood splinters get in my teeth. I've tried to take a bite out of the, yeah. uh, my uh, hardy plank, and it doesn't work very it, well. <laughs> it's hard, and it's, and it's expensive right now. I mean, two-by-fours are like... 12, 13 bucks a piece. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of toothpicks. That's a lot of toothpicks. <laughs> what about paying off debt? I mean, I, I mean, the other types of debt, credit card, et cetera. Well, if you have car payments, uh, student loans, or you're helping somebody with student loans, um, one of the things that you kind of have to think about credit cards can, can definitely be different because of how high their interest rate can be. Now, whether you make that a priority or not, again, comes along back with what other debt do you have? What are your savings? What do they look like? Um, what are the, you know, what's the interest rates that you're paying on all of these items? Um, and, and so we can look at that and sort of evaluate whether it makes sense to pay it off or to, again, take money out of savings or um, where are we pulling the money from? Is it lazy money or is it something other? Uh, so that's always 
No, we don't really want to go into retirement carrying debt, um, but at the same time, don't freak out about it either. Let's take a good evaluation of it and then decide what's the plan. Okay, now as uh, we approach retirement, there's a common misconception that when we get to retirement, we're going to be less taxed. Well, I don't know. Uh, I think you've got to take a look at maximizing tax breaks right now so you don't get into the problem. Uh, and I think, Sam, isn't it true that a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to pay less tax in retirement. I'm not going to be working. But that could be nothing further from the truth. Oh, they think it because it's such a pervasive myth among uh, financial advisors and even in some cases tax preparers. It's It's been that way for years, uh, 20 years I've been doing this and I've been hearing that mantra for 20 years and it's, it, you know, it's been wrong for that long and I'm sure it was wrong long before that. The thing about taxes, folks, is that you got to think about this and you can't just go with whatever the or the overarching opinion is. If you are in your 50s, you're saving like crazy now. You're doing some catch-up. You're a high-income earner. Let's say you're popping up there. You're up into that 28% tax bracket. Well, now think about it. It makes perfect sense to put that money into the 401k because you're missing paying 28% in federal taxes on it because it might be that later down the road, we're going to get to pull that money out of there in a lower tax bracket. Let's say in retirement, you're going to go from a 28% tax bracket down to a 22, or you're going to go down to a 12% tax bracket. Well, absolutely maximize the tax efficiency of it when you're in a high tax bracket. But conversely, Chuck, if you're sitting here and you're in a 28% tax bracket, you don't want to be hammering as much money into that Roth. I don't care if it is tax-free on the backside because you're going to pay 28% in taxes so that you can turn around and have it tax-free, you'd be better off waiting until your income drops, doing some conversions from that regular 401k or IRA when you're in that 12% bracket. So it's just math, but unfortunately, misinformation, lack of information, and not thinking these things through leads people to make a lot of really, really uh, what can be catastrophic tax mistakes where they just literally are blowing through thousands upon thousands of dollars uh, by not optimizing what they're doing or working with someone who's well-versed in that area. And I know a lot of people forget about the catch-up contributions, too, when you talk about those 401ks, because at a certain age, you can put more money in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, right now you can defer up to $19,500 from your paycheck into your 401k. And if you're over the age of 50, you get to do a catch-up. And the catch-up just says that you can now put in a total of $26,000 into that account. All right. Now, uh, we uh, wish good health on our listeners. And if, if they're not 65 yet, they can't uh, register for Medicare. So what about that gap in insurance here? If uh, untoward, uh, knock on wood, they're not as healthy as they're reaching their late 50s. It's still working. You've got a budget for it. You've got to have that in your budget because you're right, Chuck. You don't get the Medicare until you're 65 years old. So if you're going to retire at, say, 60, 62, 63, we've got a bridge that we have to build here. So you need to go out and spend some time sourcing this, looking at your different options, finding out, will I uh, qualify for uh, subsidies under the Affordable Care Act? Can I continue along? Do I have uh, maybe HSA money that's set to the side? Many companies today, maybe you've accrued some benefits that you can use to help pay for health insurance. But we do find, Chuck, for those folks that retire prior to age 65, the number one income or expenditure challenge that we have to solve for is how they're going to pay for their health insurance. Absolutely. Now, another thing we've got to decide as we wrap up this segment is when to take our Social Security. Have a plan for that. Absolutely. That is one of the 
largest sources of income for most retirees right now. And of course, you can start taking that benefit as early as age 62. And then for most of you, that full retirement benefit comes into play around age 66 or 67. And then the maximum amount of benefit that you could get for delaying your uh, Social Security benefit is up to age 70. And by doing that, every year you wait, you essentially get what's called an 8% delayed retirement credit, meaning your payment is 8% more. And you do not have to wait the full year to get the credit. So if you wait an extra six months, they will credit you half of the 8% or 4%. So there is some room for strategizing, maximizing payments a little bit over time. Some of those strategies went away, but your advisor can help you with options to maximize Social Security. Absolutely. So, Sam, uh, dual financial strategies, uh, we can talk about all these things. And uh, when people come and visit with you, you can discuss their particular situation, right? Yeah, and talk about these things in, in specifics, Chuck, because some of the things that we just talked about, there's several areas there <clears throat> that are critical for you. Uh, making sure that you understand what the tax ramifications are going to be and making sure you understand how that's going to work. Figuring out what your lifestyle budget is going to be. We have a budget worksheet on our website, dualstrategies.com. You can go on there and you can download our budget worksheet. So we need to know what that budget's going to be so that we can estimate cash flow. And then as Luke said, making sure that you've got that Social Security figured out. Basically what we're going to want to do here is plan your exit. Setting down in the retirement lifestyle review, beginning to plan your exit from your workplace, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. I want to get a copy of the book, Purpose Determines Placement in Your Hands. That's going to help you a lot. A lot of things that you've never even thought of thinking of are in that book. So I want to have that one in there. It's just been getting rave reviews from the people that have read it. Um, but setting down and just figuring out who are you, where are you, where do you need to head to so that you get everything in the proper order? Absolutely. And the way to do that is to give them a ring at 866-203-7486. They serve the entire Fox Valley with your retirement needs because this is your retirement. And we're talking about uh, uh, retirement lifestyle review. That's what uh, Sam and Andy and uh, Luke will do uh, for you. That's 866-203-7486. And again, at no cost, no obligation, they'll sit down with you and talk about your uh, plans for retirement. But with over 20 years of experience that Sam has alone, and he uh, will cordially hand you the book that uh, will mean a lot to you when you read it. It's called Purpose Determines Placement. 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486, because after all, it is your Retirement. Boy, this show's gone very, very quickly, uh, lady and gentlemen. And uh, so what's coming up in our final segment? Questions are coming up next, Chuck. The listeners are the backbone of this show with the questions that they give to us every week. And when we come back in, we're going to dive in and give you answers to them. Remember, this is your retirement, 
And it's the Your Retirement Show with Dual Financial Strategies' own Sam Dual, along with Andy Schooler and Luke Van Abel. And I'm Chuck Caton, consumer advocate, and of course, uh, serving the Fox Valley with wonderful distinction and at uh, your service uh, with you in mind and uh, your best interest in mind is what Sam Dual and the company is all about. And now they're all about answering questions. So um, our trio of uh, uh, answerers are ready, are we not? We are ready. All right, here we are. We're going to start with Sam, and we're going to go to Green Bay. And Sam is going to uh, answer Robert's question from Green Bay. When are the Packers going to win this? I'm gonna, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Wrong uh, question. Here. <laughs> What's the difference between an index fund and an ETF? The first one is unanswerable. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> That's a great question, Robert. And it's something that causes a lot of confusion with people. So basically, the difference between an index fund and an ETF is the basis of these. So an index fund is almost always a mutual fund. So a mutual fund is just simply a big basket of stocks and bonds. Okay, so the mutual fund is supposed to be designed to look like the underlying S uh, index, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial. Um, the challenge with that is that the name of it has to reflect the majority of what's in there, but there is no rule that says that it has to follow that index exactly or has to follow it in the proportions of it. And because they're only required to report their holdings every six months, uh, you don't know for sure. Where an ETF, an exchange-traded fund, that is essentially a mirror image snapshot of the underlying index. So QQQ is a symbol for that. That is the Dow, and that is the 30 stocks that are in the Dow in the proportion that they're held in the Dow. The other big difference between the two, Chuck, is the way that they are run and they are managed and the fees that are charged. You typically find index funds on a whole will usually have higher internal expenses in them because there are more people involved in that. There's more layers of expense in it, where an exchange-traded fund will almost always be less expensive than a traditional index fund simply because they're ran more by computers. All right, Luke, well, how about tackling Chris's question here from Harrison? She's 62 years old, plans to keep working to her full retirement age of 67. She's been divorced for many, many years, and somebody told me that I could take my ex-husband's uh, Social Security benefits because he uh, made a lot more money than I did. Now, is this true? And uh, will he find out? Great question, Chris. So I'm going to make an assumption here um, that you were married for more than 10 years to uh, this to your ex-husband um, because the rules are slightly different depending on that scenario. So we'll, we'll operate under that. Um, so if you were married to him for more than 10 years, you absolutely can draw on your ex's uh, record. You're eligible to receive up to 50% of his benefits. So if you have access and can see what his benefit would have been or would be at age uh, full retirement, so in that 66 to 67 range, you'd be eligible for up to half of that. And no, he won't find out. It won't affect his benefit. Um, it won't affect your benefit, whether you're drawing off of there. So it's just a, it's an added benefit that if you were still married, you'd be eligible for drawing the spousal benefit off of his record. Senior divorced. If you're married for longer than 10 years, you're eligible to do the same. All right, let's go to Jim in Little Shoot, uh, who asks, I'm 61 years old, never married, no kids, but I'm not bitter. Uh, how much retirement planning do I really need to do since I don't care if there's any money left for anybody else when I die? So, Andy, tackle that one. 
Well, <laughs> I would I would come at it from a slightly different angle um, in that I want to make sure that you have enough money for your lifetime. Now, whether there's money left over or not, um, that is a slightly different question. But in regard to what you want to do, I want to make sure that you have plenty for your expenses. Because there's no one else there to help and take care of you, going into a care facility might be more of a reality sooner than it is for someone who is married and has somebody to help, whether it's kids or a spouse. Um, so that's definitely something that you have to consider being single and with that then um, you know you can choose to do with what you want to do with the money afterwards you know leave it to somebody that you do care about or leave it to a charity um, you know IRA money to a charity is always nice because they don't have to pay taxes on that so there there is still some planning that you can do just because you don't have beneficiaries that you're worried about leaving money to um, I would come back and say I would be more worried about you having enough for you well, I guess he never had any brothers or sisters that he's thinking about who have kids either, I suppose. So, uh, sure. Who knows? Andy, how about tackling this one now? We've got uh, Paul in Greenleaf who uh, wants to know if there's a good rule of thumb about how much of my IRA should be invested in safe investments at the age of 60, or is this just a matter of personal preference? Well, I would come back and say, what are we trying to accomplish, Paul? So, um, you know, in, in relation to... Is there a specific number for everybody? No, everybody's a snowflake. So I don't know what your specific number is um, for what you would consider safe. And then that's the next question. What do you consider safe? Um, so let's talk about those options and, and let's go through it in a little bit more detail because just to say, oh, you should put whatever percentage in blah, blah, blah um, is a little bit challenging because I don't know what you need and what you want it to do for you. All right, Luke, let's go to Jan in Wrightstown who wants to know from you. I've heard of fixed annuities. I've also heard uh, you mention on this particular program, you, Sam, and Andy have actually talked about fixed index annuities as well. Are they essentially the same thing? So they are, they're not the same thing. They are similar because as the name implies here, Jan, uh, they're both, they're both part of the fixed world. So the fixed world means that you can't lose, um, money from the market or from an index there. Um, because the flip side of that coin is some sort of variable product that's going to move with the market is going to move with the funds that are inside of there. Um, but where the, where the similarities stop is that your fixed annuity, you can think about that more like a CD, a certificate of deposit at the bank, where they're gonna provide you a guaranteed rate of return for agreeing to a certain time period. And in most cases, a fixed annuity will provide a higher rate of interest than a CD. Whereas the fixed indexed annuity, while still fixed, that index component just means that that money is tied to an external index for growth purposes. So you agree to a certain time period, and then the investment is made um, for opportunity. These can be structured for income. And the, the amount of interest that you earn is dependent on the underlying index that it's tied to. All right, so good answer there. And uh, we're going to give Sam the final distinction with our final inquisitor, who is Mike from Freedom who asks, I'm having uh, lots of trouble. Now, maybe this is a good one for Sam because, uh, you know, your name is on the company, uh, and I want to get your thoughts on this. He says, I'm having a lot of trouble uh, justifying the concept of paying somebody to manage my money. Uh, with all the information that's available to an average person today, whether it's the Internet, wherever it is, what can a financial advisor really do for me that I can't do for myself? It's a great question, Mike, and one that we get often. And I would say that if all you are concerned about 
is the money and trying to manage it. You don't need a financial advisor for that. There is there is a an overwhelming amount of data that's available to you. Now, I will tell you, you're going to need to commit to it because if you're using professional money managers, that's all they do every day, all day, is watch that sort of thing and adjust and rebalance. Uh, you're also going to have to commit yourself, Mike, to going to an entirely non-emotional stance on your money. <clears throat> that is the death knell. That is the killer that, that destroys everyone that tries to manage their own money is you can not control any of the conditions that surround what happens with that money. So you're going to have to completely remove your emotions from it. So you can absolutely run the money yourself. There's no question about that. Um, I would say don't delude yourself into believing if you're in a company 401k or if you own mutual funds or something like that, that you're not paying someone because you are. The fees are there. It's just that different entities, different products are required to report the fees that you're paying in different ways. There is no such thing as free. You're not doing anything anywhere with anyone, even inside of your company plan, that is free. There's always a cost to that. I would suggest what you want to start thinking about is the value of it. Cost is relative, but I do find. I talked with someone uh, here a couple of weeks ago that listens to our radio show, and the only thing that he seemed to understand was cost. The concept of value was foreign to him. So that's obviously not someone that's going to make a good fit for people that manage professionally on a daily basis. Because if cost is all you're worried about, you probably should do it yourself. The people that are really, really successful today look at it in terms of value because a financial advisor should be providing you value because we know anybody can invest the money given the right tools. The value should come in the relationship. The value should come in having someone that is focused entirely upon retirement and those mechanisms that understands at an extraordinarily detailed depth the way that Social Security works, the way that debt reduction works, the way that um, investment instruments works, the way that tax laws work, the way that tax brackets work, that studies legislation, that studies the current uh, economic uh, environments. That person that does that, they're going to provide you the value that you need in retirement in order to make the right decisions at the right time that are going to be beneficial for you. I find people that all they know is the cost of something and they have no concept of the value of something. They typically are not very good investors. They typically are not particularly successful. But people that understand the value of advice, those are the ones, Chuck, that have the greatest success and do the best in their retirement years. Absolutely. And that's why you should see the retirement specialists, Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel at dual financial strategies because they are all-encompassing they do all the things that sam just talked about uh, in terms of uh, the the homework that you need to uh, uh, retire successfully and that's all part of the retirement lifestyle review that they will provide when you give them a call to make that appointment at 866-203-7486 that's 866-203-7486 to get that retirement lifestyle review and uh, remember that uh, Sam has also uh, penned a book, Purpose Determines Placement. No cost, no obligation. He'll give you a copy of that book and discuss all the things that he just spoke of as well at Dual Financial Strategies that has your 
best interest in mind in retirement planning. Once again, that's 866-203-7486, 866-203-7486, and they serve the Fox Valley, Green Bay, Appleton area very, very well and have done so for years. They're great people to work with. Sam, uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up this week's show? Just looking forward to seeing everyone, Chuck. We appreciate everybody uh, listening to us on the weekends. Love it that you send us your questions and challenge us on that. And whatever questions you have, bring them to us. We'd love to talk to you about it. Investment advisory services offered through Dual Financial Strategies, LLC, a Wisconsin registered investment advisor. Dual Financial Strategies does not provide legal or tax advice. Investment advisor representatives of Dual Financial Strategies may only conduct business with residents of the states and jurisdictions in which they are properly registered. Insurance and annuity products are sold through Dual Financial Strategies.